0: is the Come Read With Me podcast. Welcome to Come Read With Me, The Book of Mormon. This is episode number 10. Welcome back to Come Read With Me, The Book of Mormon. We're going to keep reading The Book of Mormon today. Dave, can you give us a recap of
1: where we are? Absolutely. We are listening to Nephi recount some of the vision that he's had after he desired to see what his father saw. We started in chapter 11, and today's episode will pick up in chapter 12 with Nephi continuing on with things that he has seen in his vision. Fantastic! Here we go. First Nephi, chapter
0: 12, verse 1. And it came to pass that the angel said unto me, Look, and behold thy seed, and also the seed of thy brethren, And I looked and beheld the land of promise and I beheld multitudes of people, yea, even as it were in number, as many as the sand of the sea. And it came to pass that I beheld multitudes gathered together to battle one against the other. And I beheld wars and rumors of wars and great slaughters with the sword among my people. And it came to pass that I beheld many generations pass away after the manner of wars and contentions in the land. And I beheld many cities. Yea, even that I did not number them. And it came to pass that I saw a mist of darkness on the face of the land of promise. And I saw lightnings, and I heard thunderings, and earthquakes, and all manner of tumultuous noises. And I saw the earth and the rocks that they rent, and I saw mountains tumbling into pieces. And I saw the plains of the earth that they were broken up, and I saw many cities that they were sunk, and I saw many that they were burned with fire, And I saw many that did tumble to the earth because of the quaking thereof. And it came to pass, after I saw these things, I saw the vapor of darkness that it passed from off the face of the earth. And behold, I
1: saw multitudes who had not fallen because of the great and terrible judgments of the Lord. Awesome. Eric, I just want to jump in here. This is Nephi seeing in vision things that are coming in the future. And in verses four and five, he's seeing mist of darkness, lightnings, earthquakes, thunderings, all this commotion, Mother Nature in commotion. Interesting in verse four and five, what is that foreshadowing of? What is he, he foreseeing? The crucifixion of Christ. Absolutely. And we're going to get to, to see
0: all of this play out in much more detail when it actually is taking place later in the Book of Mormon. But Nephi is given a sort of preview of what's coming for his posterity here. One thing I want to point out here in verse one, land of promise Um, He says that I looked and beheld the land of promise, just as a quick reminder to everybody that we're reading, that when Lehi was in Jerusalem and he was warned to leave Jerusalem, uh, the Lord also promised him what he called a land of promise. And this Mm -hmm. is a land that would be prepared for them to go and inherit a land that would be theirs and that would be their land of promise. And so that's what he's seeing here. He's seeing them ultimately getting to the land of promise and then seeing what happens to his posterity once they're there. What's interesting to me about that also is that can you imagine the amount of anxiety they might be feeling at this point in their journey? You know, they're out there in the in the wilderness, they've left everything that they own, they've lost all their gold, all their silver, all their precious things, they left the land of their inheritance, they left everything, and they're kind of still in limbo if they're gonna figure out how to get there or not. There's yeah. a lot of things they don't know yet, And but here he is having a vision. That might help explain Nephi's
1: fortitude and stability later on in some of these chapters for what we'll read here. But anyway, one, one thing too, for those that have their pencils or pens that want to mark something here, next to verses four and five, if you want to cross-reference some of those events that happened in the Bible, go ahead and mark down Matthew chapter 27, verses 50 through 54, as well as Luke chapter 23, verse 45. Those are specific verses and chapters from the New Testament that describe the way that Mother, A- Mother Nature reacted at the crucifixion of Christ. Excellent. Thank you for including that. Okay, here we go. Right back in in verse
0: six. And I saw the heavens open and the Lamb of God descending out of heaven. And he came down and showed himself unto them. And I also saw and bear record that the Holy Ghost fell upon 12 others And they were ordained of God and chosen. And the angel spake unto me, saying, Behold, the twelve disciples of the Lamb, who are chosen to minister unto thy seed. And he said unto me, Thou rememberest the twelve apostles of the Lamb? Behold, they are they who shall judge the twelve tribes of Israel. Wherefore, the twelve ministers of thy seed shall be judged of them, for ye are of the house of Israel. And these twelve ministers whom thou beholdest shall judge thy seed, And behold, they are righteous forever. For because of their faith in the Lamb of God, their garments are made white in his blood. Okay, quick thing I want to point out here. The 12 apostles, of course, when Jesus comes in the New Testament, he calls 12 apostles. In Jerusalem. In Jerusalem, yes. Sorry. In the New Testament, Jesus comes to Jerusalem. He calls 12 apostles. Apostleship is a distinct calling, both in the priesthood as well as with specific responsibility. And so they are called to do a specific number of things, to be apostles to sort of the whole dispensation. What's happening right here is he's seeing the 12 disciples being called among the Nephites when Jesus comes to visit the Nephites. The distinction between these two things is that the 12 apostles are essentially over all of the kingdom of Christ's kingdom on earth. The 12
1: disciples are over a specific population of people. So there is a slight distinction there. Eric, can I add to, I like that how you made that distinction. There are the 12 apostles of Jesus Christ that were called by Christ in Jerusalem, in the old world, if you will. Yes. Nephi is describing after the Lord comes, after he was resurrected, he's describing the 12 disciples that were called in the new world or in America or in the promised land. Yes. Absolutely. And so there's,
0: yeah, so small difference in what they're called, but very similar in responsibility. One more thing I want to point out, there's some symbolism in verse 10 that might be interesting to people who aren't familiar with reading scripture and what the symbolism might mean. Their garments are made white in his blood. Now, this is not meant to necessarily be taken literally. This is meant to say, uh, we're we're told in the Bible and in other places that no unclean thing can enter into heaven. And that the way to become clean is to be washed in the blood of Jesus Christ. And what that means is symbolically to accept the atonement of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. When when Jesus Christ was sacrificed on the cross, he overcame death. When Jesus Christ went to the Garden of Gethsemane, he overcame sin. And in the blood of Christ, we can find redemption through him. He is our redeemer because of that blood that he spilled in Gethsemane and on the cross. And so when it says garments made white in his blood, it's saying they are made white as in
1: no longer unclean. So. Yep, very good symbolism. Similar to, I believe it's in Isaiah, though your sins be red as scarlet, they may, they may be made white as wool. Same thing here. Through Christ, we can be cleansed and made clean and pure rather than stained with, with the things of the world or with sin. Absolutely. So I want to make sure people understand
0: that symbolism there. All right, right back in at verse 11. <laughs> and the angel said unto me, look, and I looked. And beheld three generations pass away in righteousness. And their garments were white, even like unto the Lamb of God. And the angel said unto me, These are made white in the blood of the Lamb, because of their faith in Him. And I, Nephi, also saw many of the fourth generation who passed away in righteousness. And it came to pass that I saw the multitudes of the earth gathered together. And the angel said unto me, Behold thy seed, and also the seed of thy brethren. And it came to pass, that I looked and beheld the people of my seed gathered together in multitudes against the seed of my brethren, and they were gathered together to battle. And the angel spake unto me, saying, Behold the fountain of filthy water which thy father saw, yea, even the river of which he spake, and the depths thereof are the depths of hell. And the mists of darkness are the temptations of the devil, which blindeth the eyes and hardeneth the hearts of the children of men and leadeth them away into broad roads
1: that they perish and are lost. And so, <sighs> Can I jump in there in verse 17? Absolutely. Uh, again, this is Nephi's vision that he's receiving after he asked to see the same thing that his father had seen. We had read back in chapter 8 about the vision of the tree of life, some of these symbols that Lehi saw. In verse 17, Nephi is talking about the mists of darkness, and I just want to break this down a little bit. The mists of darkness represent the temptations of the devil, and there are three things that happen or come forth from the temptations of the devil. One is those temptations blind the eyes, two, harden the hearts, and three, lead them away, I guess, and four, that they perish and are lost. And I just think that that's a great kind of chronology or logical explanation of what happens with the mist of darkness, the temptations, we're blinded, we harden our hearts, we are led away, and we are lost, and we and we perish. Now, counter that, if you will, with the straight and narrow path that we had talked about in previous episodes. Straight meaning not easy to navigate, not necessarily long and linear, but requires a certain level of skill to get through. Counter that with being led away into broad paths. Anyways, just thought I'd kind of expand on that a little bit. I thought that was interesting of what the temptations of the devil can make us do. Absolutely.
0: Another interesting part of this that expands on Lehi's vision is talking about the fountain of filthy water and the river and comparing them to the depths of hell. What's interesting is when you think back to chapter eight, when we looked at Lehi's vision, that fountain led to a river that was then next to the straight and narrow path with the iron rod. And so that is the, the temptations and the mist of darkness is trying to get people to fall off of that straight and narrow path. Let go of that rod, and then that river is what awaits them for having awaits done them. so. So yep. I think that's an interesting expansion on what Lehi saw because Lehi did mention that river and did mention that fountain, but it wasn't described in such clarity as Nephi has here. Okay, right back in in verse 18. And the large and spacious building which thy father saw is vain imaginations and the pride of the children of men, and a great and terrible gulf divideth them. Yea, even the word of the justice of the eternal God and the Messiah, who is the Lamb of God, of whom the Holy Ghost beareth record from the beginning of the world until this time and from this time henceforth and forever.
1: One point of doctrine I just want to point out here. I really like the distinction in verse 18 towards the the latter end. It talks about the word of the justice of three individual beings. One is the eternal God two is the messiah who is the lamb of god or the son of god being jesus christ and the third individual is the holy ghost who beareth record i just think that that's kind of neat that the book of mormon points out like the bible does the three the distinction between god the father jesus christ the son and the holy ghost the three of which make up the godhead absolutely fantastic thank you dave right back in in verse 19
0: And while the angel spake these words, I beheld and saw that the seed of my brethren did contend against my seed, according to the word of the angel, and because of the pride of my seed, and the temptations of the devil, I beheld that the seed of my brethren did overpower the people of my seed. And it came to pass that I beheld and saw the people of the seed of my brethren, that they had overcome my seed, and they went forth in multitudes upon the face of the land. And I saw them gathered together in multitudes, and I saw wars and rumors of wars among them. And in wars and rumors of wars I saw many generations pass away. And the angel said unto me, Behold, these shall dwindle in unbelief. And it came to pass that I beheld, after they had dwindled in unbelief, they became a dark and loathsome and a filthy people, full of idleness and all manner of abominations." All right, so that's the end of the chapter, but a couple of things to cover off on in the end there is I wanna kind of cover the arc of this chapter and what it's really telling us. Essentially, he's seeing his seed and the ultimate fate of them and interwoven in that is some explanation relative to the symbolism of Lehi's dream. And it's all related. Again, this is masterful. I mentioned in, in the chapter 11 episode that it's masterful how the angel is showing snippets of the future and then saying, do you understand now the condescension of God, right? Like just yeah. and just doing, it, and he's doing the exact same thing here. He's showing him snippets of the future, showing him what's going to happen to his posterity, and then saying, "This is the great and spacious building. This is the river of water." While he's showing the decline of his people and the ultimate rejection of godliness that they're going through, um, and it's masterful. So essentially, what he's saying here is that they're going to go. There's going. They're going to go. They're going to make it to the promised land. There's going to be wars. After those wars and everything persist for quite a long time, then Jesus Christ is going to come. And then several generations will pass away in righteousness before these wars and contentions start yet again until the Nephites are ultimately destroyed. And so that's an interesting part of this is that it's it's really a full arc in chapter 12 here that's giving us a bit of a preview from what we're going to
1: read in much more detail with much more impact and clarity later on in the Book of Mormon. One thing I, I wanna point out too, I guess an invitation to those of you that are listening is we've talked about the symbols that Lehi saw in his dream and these symbols that Nephi is now seeing in vision and what they mean and represent. In today's world, what are the fountain of filthy water or the river, the mists of darkness, the large and spacious building in our day? It's kind of fun. And as you pointed out, this chapter is a great arc it kind of talks about the cyclical nature of humanity. We make mistakes, we learn from them, we are all good, then we go back to making mistakes. Yeah, I mean, look at, look at the microcosm of a family, of little children. Do we not do this on a daily basis? And then Absolutely. you look at your own life, we have these ebbs and flows, these ups and downs. You look at civilizations, the same thing. What can we learn from generations past that will help us in today's, in today's world? Where Absolutely. are we at in that cycle? Absolutely. And when we think of it in that way, it's important for
0: us to know that when we are in the, the worst of that cycle, that we know that there can be a better day ahead, that there can be hope in a future. And how to get there. Absolutely. And then, and then yet again, when we are at the peak of that cycle and when we're feeling solid in our testimony and in our relationship with Jesus Christ and solid in connection with the Spirit, that we still have to be wary of that. And, because, watch, and watch for the pitfalls that others have made. Yeah, absolutely. Because even even if we're on that straight and narrow and striving for that tree of life and looking for that fruit that is the love of God, um, there's still opportunity to leave that path, to let go of the iron rod. And that filth fountain of filthy water is there waiting for us. So, the, the mist of darkness is there for all, those
1: who are seeking Christ and those who aren't. But Dave, any final takeaways from the chapter? Apart from what we've already discussed, I, I do like to go back to verses 4 and 5, where it talked about some of the ways that Mother Nature reacted to the crucifixion of Christ. And it it's a dark, scary place. But what I love is, in verse 5, after I saw these things, I saw the vapor of darkness that it passed off the face of the earth because the Lord came symbolic absolutely literal absolutely christ is the light of the world when we're in a dark place with with mists of darkness or temptations of the devil if we invite christ into our lives that light will cast away that darkness absolutely and that is jesus christ i I think that's pretty great language that nephi uses here to describe that Absolutely. I think the thing that I take away from this chapter is sort of reflecting on Nephi
0: standing here in this moment and looking at his posterity, which ends up being millions and millions of people, and then seeing the impact of both righteousness and wickedness that comes out of that. Uh, But the reality is, is that Nephi being a person of righteousness does yield generation upon generation upon generation of people who are seeking righteousness and who are seeking Jesus Christ. And when we think about ourselves, it's easy for me to try and think into the future at my posterity. I have six kids. That feels like a lot, but as those six kids go and have children and have children and have children, eventually, hopefully my posterity, can be numbered in this millions as well, all of which would lose their opportunity to hear the gospel if I wasn't teaching it to my children right now. And so I think as Nephi looks into the future at his posterity, it's interesting for us to reflect on where we are and where we can look into the future and where we might not have this vision or this clarity or this drama unfolding in our posterity. It is important to know that If anyone in this posterity is going to have a righteous future ahead of them, it can start with us or it also can end with us. And that's our responsibility.
1: Yeah. Great points.
0: Great insight. Okay, then we're going to wrap it up there. Thank you for listening. Join us again next time as we continue reading the Book of Mormon together. Quick disclaimer here. This podcast is not produced by the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Everything expressed in this podcast is the opinion of the people making it, and it is not endorsed by the church or its leaders. Everything in this podcast is intended to promote faith in Jesus Christ by helping you understand the Book of Mormon please listen to this podcast with an open heart and pray for guidance from the Lord as you continue reading the Book of Mormon. Thank you for listening.